And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscalia. With me is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn, and we are here to discuss all of the final cuts and what the Bills did after final cuts, which, you know, spoiler alert, was not much. Uh, But there were some interesting ways that they went about molding the roster, who they wound up getting back to the practice squad, who they did not include that maybe we thought they were going to include. So there's just a a few different things to go about this. But mostly, Matthew, I think it was kind of ho-hum in in uh, comparison to other years with what they've had. I mean, there was there was some uh, some intrigue about maybe some of the bottom of the roster guys and a lot of the ones that we've talked about, like you know, Andre Smith, uh, Justin Zimmer, Jake Kummerow, they all made it. But, uh, you know, other than that, there this was mostly a set roster before we even got to this point. Yeah, I said to a lot of people leading up to it, you know, when Josh Thomas versus DeMar Hamlin is one of the, the headline, you know, pieces of drama heading into cutdown day, you've probably done a pretty good job right. building the rest of your roster. I mean, uh, both of those guys are intriguing young players with some upside, but they're, you know, the fourth safety. Uh, and that's really what the Bills were were down to here. I, I think probably the move that caught the most, you know, attention was Jacob Hollister getting cut. And, you know, we thought maybe that would happen because they could bring him back, um, you know, because he's not subject to waivers. But it sounds like that's not the plan based on what Brandon Bean said yesterday. So I would count that move as probably the most surprising of what they did this week, just because they really are, are all in on this idea of spreading out the field. It seems, you know, they have a, a pretty thin tight end depth chart. I know Reggie Gilliam can play there and gives them the versatility to be a third tight end, but if they feel pretty, pretty thin at that spot and, you know, they expect Jacob Hollister to get offers from other teams and, doesn't sound like they're going to be outbidding anybody to bring them back. So I'm I'm curious what you know how that position will look throughout the season, or if they're just going to commit to spreading teams out and when they need to, you know, count on Gilliam to fill in and you know Tommy Sweeney. Um, you know, it's a good sign for his health, but uh, it was definitely interesting to see Hollister go, given his previous relationship with Josh Allen. I thought he had some decent moments in camp, but it's not anything to get bent out of shape about because they just really don't need the tight end in this offense. And if they feel good about Dawson Knox, then, you know, they, they must, uh, they must not really feel strongly about having a a good number two. Yeah, exactly. I think that was kind of the, the biggest statement piece of this, of this roster, you know, the Hollister 
cut was surprising, but if we're looking at it in terms of just what they what it cost them to bring him in, he was a low tier free agent signing, a total guaranteed amount, I think, of a little under one hundred thirty eight thousand dollars. Not much of his contract was guaranteed. And they just wanted to see, just to see, and see if um, Dawson Knox could step it up this summer. And they wound up believing that Knox has indeed stepped it up. And so this is as much of a a positive sign in their minds for Dawson Knox as it is, you know, to the detriment of, of Jake Hollister. They want him, if they're going to have tight end snaps, they want him to be on the field a lot, which is kind of a removal from what we have seen from the Bills and their tight end position over the last couple of years, really. I mean, we've seen a lot of rotation. And of course, Dawson Knox was young and trying to work back from injuries last year. But really, when they got to the final, I think like eight or nine games of last season, Knox was up near around 70% of snaps. And I can't imagine that, uh, it, you know, that 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 will go down this year. I think there's a strong possibility that goes up. And maybe the only reason he's coming off the field is it when they're going into four receiver sets and sometimes even five receiver sets. So this is a this is a good sign, at least in their mind, for Dawson Knox, whereas, you know, some of the other, at least one of the other third-year guys is kind of going uh, the opposite way at, at this point. But we'll get into that more in a little bit. But I'm kind of uh, intrigued to see how they play this because I would not be shocked if the Bills only dress two tight ends uh, on game day and that includes Reggie Gilliam because I don't think Tommy Sweeney really plays much on special teams from from what I recall of him um, and or at least he's not like a, a dynamite special teams player and so if he doesn't have that functionality you know it's you're gonna be hard pressed to to uh, have that many tight ends up when you have when your fastball is essentially receivers passing offense separation in the intermediate area with those guys so I, I think it, it'll be that'll be one of be that'll be one of my most fascinating things to to see once the inactives come out 90 minutes before the week one game against the Steelers because if they wind up going with two tight ends that's something we haven't seen from them previously yeah I think two Something to point out with the tight end position is that while Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox outperformed Jacob Hollister at, over mm-hmm. the course of training camp, Hollister, you know, was out with a back for a little while. And even when they were both on the field, like even with the occasional drop that we saw from Dawson Knox and, you know, not necessarily making the tough play, I think we had this conversation at some point or noted it in our, our observations that maybe he doesn't become. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, mm-hmm. like this top of the line elite tight end, but it feels like he can be a decent tight end. And and maybe just reimagining the conversation about his upside could be appropriate. And I think part of this might be okay, if Dawson Knox is that much better than Jacob Hollister as a receiver and like you mentioned, they they feel they only need to dress two tight ends potentially on game day. Maybe they want those backup tight ends, those secondary options to be guys that can block. Like Tommy mm-hmm. Sweeney is a better blocker than Jacob Hollister. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Same goes for Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam not only is a better blocker, but he can do more. He can play fullback. He can play special teams. So 
you know, they probably realize that both the usage of the position, the, you know, seeing enough improvement from Dawson Knox and the skill sets of the other players uh, that they have at the position made Jacob Hollister expendable. And I think that's more than fair, especially when it means keeping an extra defensive lineman where they were very deep. And, you know, it's it's nice to see them rethink, you know, not stick to some rigid roster construction and say, you got to keep X number of this position, X number of that position. Figure out, okay, Reggie Gilliam can do a little bit of both. Maybe, you know, most weeks we won't even have three tight ends active anyways. Maybe there's a rare week where they feel like running the ball. But, okay, so instead of this, you know, traditional structure, we'll pivot and go with, you know, multiple, you know, an extra defensive lineman where the team is mm-hmm. deep and the team needs improvement uh, in a big way. Like The improvement at defensive line will have a much bigger impact on wins and losses than improvement at tight end will. And making sure they get that right and have the right bodies for their rotation, I think, was an important factor for them. And, you know, it, Hollister, as, you know, interesting a, a, a piece as he is, and, you know, he's been pretty productive in his NFL career, not crazy. Uh, he didn't necessarily go out and earn anything. He didn't go out and, and wow anybody in training camp. He looked like the second best receiving tight end on the roster. But mm. when you have so many receivers, you're probably not so worried about that, especially when you have two receivers in particular, really three with Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley, who excel in the slot. You know, the the need for a second receiving tight end, who's really mostly just a receiving tight end, not the best blocker, uh, you know, was probably pretty diminished, and uh, and they made that call. Would anyone be unbelievably surprised if the Bills even ramp up their their 10 personnel usage uh, this year? Because I certainly would not. I mean, of course, they want to keep Dawson Knox involved, but, you know, this is a team that about is... Zero, how about double zero personnel? Let's go... Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm into it. Let's go five, you know, let's see some five wide out there. Um, yeah. They have the personnel to do it. The they the do. only problem with doing that is leaving your your five linemen uh, to be the sole protectors of Josh Allen. Yeah. But if they feel comfortable enough with that, I bet we could see some you know some more five wide receiver sets. The training camp Isaiah McKenzie had, as long as he's healthy to start the season, I feel like they might want to get him a little bit more involved. And you know that me, I mean. Have fun, you know, stopping those five receivers. So, yeah, it right. could be, especially with the personnel they went with, that could be tipping their hand to maybe spreading the field even more. Yeah, so the the tight end, that that was the, the most intriguing part to cut down day. But the rest of it was, you know, nondescript, I think I would call it. Um, you know, they, they pulled what Brandon Bean called a roster move. It's something that, you know, we had discussed. Uh, about what they could do with their final roster with guys like Hollister or Taiwan Jones, you know, didn't think they would rip up a, a brand new three-year extension for Reed Ferguson, but here we are. Um, they they wound up uh, doing that and getting him re-signed so that way they could get Marquez Stevenson to IR. And we don't know Stevenson's timetable, but they found it uh, at least important to them that they were able to protect him uh, and keep him available for at some point in the season, if they need 
him to step in and be the kickoff or punt returner or maybe even have a role on offense. I probably think it's more special teams induced than anything. But yeah, that that is what they found to be important with their final roster. So the rest of it, though, heavy defensive line. And that's honestly good to see from from them because they are admitting that there was a problem. Maybe it's a an overcorrection a little bit. Um, I don't think that they expected to have three new defensive ends on their roster this uh, this year, but alas, they they do because they they brought in both Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham from the draft, and then F.A. Obata has earned his way onto the team. But, you know, keeping, even though it didn't make the most numerical sense, keeping guys that can be impact players like a Justin Zimmer, I think he is someone that I'm looking at right near the bottom of of the depth chart that can move his way up uh, based on how he plays and and how efficient he is as a pass rusher. Like last year, his uh, pass rush win rate for defensive tackles or his pressure rate, I'm sorry, was really good. Like uh, well beyond what Vernon Butler and, and Harrison Phillips um, had done in their time on the field. And even beyond what uh, most weeks, what a guy like AJ Epinesa did. So that to me just leads to them leaning into this whole defensive line thing. And of course, they're going to have to make some of uh, some of these guys game day inactive. I would probably think that Boogie Basham begins the year game day inactive, but uh, you know that's probably a a good problem for them um, just based on what seemed to be at times a barren position where they, they really didn't uh, have a great outlook outside of Jerry Hughes last year. So these are these are all things that they knew that they needed to improve on and they stuck to their word and they felt like that was the reason or one of the reasons that they uh, that they were in the position that they were, but also why they didn't get to the position that they wanted to be. So it was it was good to see that for them to stick to what they needed to get better on. Yeah, what did what did you think of Daryl Johnson being the one to go, being the odd man out, and yeah. you know them trading him for a better pick than they drafted him at, but still a sixth round pick is is not um, you right. know I'm sure in in a vacuum. They wouldn't love making that trade if not for the numbers game that they had. Yeah, I think what it boils down to for me is would you rather have uh, a six-round pick in Tyrell Dotson or would you rather have Daryl Johnson? And I think I would probably rather have Daryl Johnson if if I'm honest um, because even Brandon Bean admitted it yesterday uh, that Johnson to them was essentially the reason why they – were able to keep five linebackers last year. And that's basically why he said, you know, they uh, they felt good about having Daryl Johnson on the team in those instances. But I guess my retort to that would be, okay, well, why wouldn't you just keep Daryl Johnson and then cut Tyrell Dodson if if you prefer Johnson over, over Dodson? I suppose Johnson has better trade value. But at the end of the day, it's a sixth round pick and the odds that the sixth round pick is going to be as impactful as Daryl Johnson um, by the time Daryl Johnson by the time that player gets to his third season I don't really think is all that great if if I'm honest 
um, especially with where the roster is now to where they're cutting these these late round guys. Like Johnson had a couple years left on his contract um, and he would have filled a gap for them because Hughes, Addison, and F.A. Obata are all free agents at the end of the year. He could have been a rotational player, at worst a special teams player for the fourth and final year of his contract. And, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't really see the the problem with keeping a seventh defensive end if you're keeping him for special teams purposes. But, you know, they that's they wanted to maximize a cut rather than losing a guy for free. Although I don't really think they would have lost Tyrell Dawson for free because I think they could have got him back to the practice squad. So maybe I'm just splitting hairs here, but that's probably one decision that uh, that I that I disagreed with with them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I think you're framing it the right way, too, in it being a Daryl Johnson versus Tyrell Dodson conversation as opposed to Daryl Johnson versus F.A. Obata, who we mentioned right. as a possible uh, trade chip for them probably would have gotten a better pick. I just think mm-hmm. based on what he, um, you know, what he did in the preseason, but I have no problem with them keeping him on the team because he looked really good. And I think the ability to move inside gives them, uh, you know, the chance to try some different looks and generate pressure in different ways. Look, I don't know that they'll necessarily regret moving on from Daryl Johnson. It's tough to say he's in his third year. We haven't seen huge flashes from him uh, as a pass rusher, but there have been moments and there have, you know, at the very least, he looks like a good third or fourth rotational defensive end with the ability to play special teams and make an impact there. So I wouldn't have even thought that he would have a chance to make the team entering training camp, just given the numbers and everything. But the way that he played, you know, he certainly earned that distinction on any other roster and you know getting something for him is better than nothing but there were a few other ways you know there was only so many spots where they could you know give and take they only kept five corners 
Um, so it really was probably Tyrell Dotson or Daryl Johnson and, uh, or, you know, Marquez Stevenson, if you want to throw him into the mix, but, um, they decided that they can live without him for now. They absolutely can. But to your point that it might open things up a little bit next year, unless, you know, they decide to bring back a few of these guys, be it right. Hughes, Obata, and then, you know, that's that's fine because they've drafted three defensive ends in the first two rounds in the last few years. I mentioned this the other day on Twitter. I mentioned it on the podcast that, you know, it, the whole situation reminded me of the offensive line situation when, uh, they traded Wyatt Teller and I, you know, I knew people would extrapolate that to say, you know, there's no way Daryl Johnson becomes Wyatt Teller, which I would agree with. Um, not that there's no way there's always a way. I mean, he's a, extremely raw seventh round pick who's only had two NFL seasons there's certainly a chance he develops into a very good player Uh, I wasn't implying that I was just saying that when you have to give up on younger players a little earlier than you hoped because of you know numbers games you know that's the risk that you run and you know we'll see what happens with Daryl Johnson's career I would I will be curious to see if he gets a bigger role what he can do with it because he hasn't quite had that opportunity here in Buffalo and that's, you know, no fault of the bills, but I, I'm curious if he gets a good chunk of snaps, what he can do with it. Cause I think he is a pretty talented player. He's got, you know, the length and you know, the, the burst off the edge to potentially be a player, but he's not as useful to them in 2021 as anybody that they kept on the defensive line. No, he's not. Um, it, it just, it just really boils down to like, like we talked about the the Dodson thing. I just I don't know. It is Tyrell Dodson. Are you getting? I guess it comes down to: Do you believe that Daryl Johnson's special teams value is worth so much more than Tyrell Dodson's special teams value um, to the point where you? you uh to the point where you can't live without daryl johnson if you can live without him then i guess i get it the the other part of it is if they have like a like a if if they're working on let's say a a jerry hughes one-year extension past this year or or something like that and they announce that in the middle of the season or you know shortly after the season then I would also understand that because at that point you have your four defensive ends for the next year. But I guess we're really splitting hairs here because they they got a, a higher pick for a lower pick if you're just looking at it from a raw numbers perspective. But but yeah, there that is one hit that they will definitely take, but it's only on, you know, twelve to eighteen snaps a game on special teams. So I, I guess I guess they can live with it. Um I think the other interesting part to maybe not even cut down day, but what was said with Brandon Bean after cut down day and it revolves around the offensive line. And this has kind of been a thing that you and I have been talking about for you know, probably a couple months now is this, the interior of the offensive line, Mitch Morse is fine at center. Deion Dawkins looks like he's, he's rounding, he's rounding back into shape and, and starting to look better. Um, Darrell Williams has looked pretty good this summer too. Uh, but it's the guard spot that has been kind of to the pass blocking detriment, um, so far this year. And you can tell that they haven't been 
all the way happy with who they had starting training camp at at their guard position because they have um, turned it into basically a a three-man rotation above all else uh, during the preseason games anyway. So John Feliciano, Ike Butker, and Cody Ford are all vying for these guard spots. And Cody Ford is really the the top draw here because 2019 second-round pick, they traded up to get him. Um, you know, they bypassed some pretty stinking good players. Um, it, the, the year that they traded Cody Ford or that the year that they drafted Cody Ford and it got to the point where, you know, in this off season, we've discussed this, uh, this comment from Brandon Bean before where he would be surprised if, uh, Cody Ford wasn't one of their best five offensive linemen. And then when I asked him that yesterday, Right after they made final cuts, I said, "Hey, do you anticipate Cody Ford being uh, being a starter?" And he said, "We'll see." Not exactly the best uh, the best thing you want to hear about a former second round pick. Doesn't mean he uh, he's uh, going to be on the bench to begin the year. I still think he probably starts at right guard to begin the year, just because so that way they can see it. But still, not the vote of confidence you want from the general manager who believed in this guy, thought he could prove to everybody that uh, that he could become the the starting player that that they knew that they needed in the draft that year, and it just it just hasn't gone the way that they wanted it to this summer. Yeah, it's it's really entering make or break territory, I think, with Cody Ford. Uh, you know, he's. They used the injuries uh, to explain away some of his play in the first few years, uh, which makes some sense. He was pretty banged up, gone through a lot of surgeries. He's healthy entering this season. He's been healthy throughout camp. And they really need that pick to be a hit because, you know, when when people talk about the offensive line and, you know, oh, maybe, you know, they don't have the money in future years to put a bandaid on this offensive line in the same way they did in years past. They, you can go out and sign one, you know, but throwing money at three offensive linemen to try to figure out, you know, remake your entire line in an off season, the way they did a few years ago, isn't realistic. You need the draft picks to hit. You need, you know, a guy like Cody Ford in his third year to be a good player. And I think that's completely up in the air right now. And mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, in 2019, there were some good players on the board, right? You know, Elgin Jenkins uh, is has turned out to be a real good offensive lineman for the Packers. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were both second-round picks in that draft. Drew I think A.J. Brown pick. is the one for me that would have made a, an infinite difference right away for them and, and could have changed the course of what, what they inevitably did because, you know, if they have A.J. Brown, maybe they don't, they don't feel like they need to um, trade for Stefan Diggs and trade a first round pick. And maybe, you know, it's just so many, it, if you want to get down that wormhole, it's a very interesting place, but go on. Sorry. My hope is that, um, you interjecting with that point didn't over override for people that I slid drew lock in there. Just, just to, <laughs> Did you for, really? some, for some levity there. Uh, I tried to, <laughs> I tried to sneak it in there right as you were saying it. Uh, and you know, just for a little bit of levity, um, because he was oh, taking a God. few picks later. But, yeah, I mean, you can do it with every draft. Point being, though, that it's why, I mean, it's the second round. There's going to be good mm-hmm. players drafted in the second round, and the hope is that you hit on those guys. And I'd say right now it's it's you can't sit here and say that Cody Ford has been a hit 
and Ike Butker hasn't looked great. You know, earlier, you know, a couple months ago, I might have said, hey, if Cody Ford doesn't look great, that's fine. They have Ike Butker. But, you know, COVID seemed to really slow his start to training camp. You know, his conditioning was a little bit off. And, you know, his performance, I think, suffered as a result. We've talked about John Feliciano and uh, his body changes and, and what that could bring. So I don't know. We've talked, too, about. I think we have what it's hard to remember what's on the podcast and what's on the sidelines, but the idea of eventually when Spencer Brown enters the starting lineup at right tackle, which we thought, you know, would probably be 2022, you could have Darrell Williams play guard. I almost wonder if that comes sooner because yeah, Spencer sure. Brown looked better, looked to improve faster than, you know, a lot of the guys on the interior. So I don't know. Maybe that's a, a potential pivot they can make at some point during the season. Uh, even though Darrell Williams has just been so rock solid at right tackle, they probably don't want to mess with a good thing. But in terms of insurance options and moves that they have they could make in season, that might be the only one that's realistic. So unless you want yeah. to try Ryan Bates at one of the guard spots and see how that goes. So yeah, a lot is on Cody Ford here. I don't know that that comment, from Brandon Bean necessarily means he'll start the year on the bench, but it certainly yeah, I don't means, think so either. It, it certainly means that there's some doubt about him being a no question, no brainer starter. I think sometimes, especially close to the season, Brandon Bean is a lot more hesitant on that stuff because, sure. you know, he, he wants, you know, a lot, you know, anybody who speaks basically defers to Sean McDermott on those starting lineup decisions, whether it's Dable or Frazier, you know, Leslie Frazier sometimes will let stuff slip. He's, he's more honest than most. Um, but it, it does, you know, go to show that there's just a little bit of hesitation there, uh, whether he's starting or not, they know that this hasn't been, you know, a banner summer for him. And, you know, he's got to, he's got to turn a corner here and at least become, mm -hmm. you know, decent, you know, they can't have him be a liability and they don't have a lot of options to pivot if he does become a liability. So that's what happens when you bank on draft picks, right? You know, second round pick, you're going to want to ride it out and hope that he's good, give him every chance to be good, whether that means moving him from tackle to guard uh, and, you know, giving him an extra year to develop. It's, you know, nearing the territory where you say maybe this guy is just a decent backup. And, mm -hmm. you know, who can play guard and tackle and will always have some value for that reason. But we'll see. Maybe he, you know, he is a high intensity player. So, so maybe he needs that regular season game time action to kick it into gear uh, and, you know, show that that other side of him. So they're not ready to, you know, give up on the guy necessarily, but he's been in a competition all summer and, and hasn't grabbed hold of the job this close to the season it, it says a little something yeah it definitely does I think uh these well I don't even know if these next few practices because they have one we're recording this on Thursday morning uh they have one practice remaining this week and then they get into the regular season planning next week I believe starting on either Monday or Tuesday so it's not not like there's much time for him to to make make his uh, presence felt on the practice field, uh, I think they're basically deciding 
right now what what they want to do with it. And at practice yesterday in front of um, fans at at Highmark Stadium, and Cody Ford was in there with the with the starting unit, but also rotated out for Ike Butker again. Um, so there is, I mean, it's it's not like they're they're not thinking about this. They have to determine what they want this offensive line to be. And I think the trickiest part is both of those guys really struggle as pass blockers. Like, you know, I, I really thought Cody Ford made a nice um, transition to guard last year. And it, sh- it showed some flashes. Definitely had some some bad moments. But I did think he was the better player over Butker from a pass rushing perspective. Run blocking, I think Butker was probably a little bit stronger than Cody Ford, which is somewhat surprising because Ford is the uh, is supposed to be this great run blocker, or at least at least that's the way he was built to be, and he does have a lot of potential in that area. But this is also not a running team, so what do you do here? Um, I, I do like your idea of uh, moving Daryl Williams inside, and I I think we have talked about that on the podcast, definitely on the sidelines. Um, I think. The only trouble that would provide is, I guess, the the tackle depth would be really tested at that point. You know, if one of those guys gets injured, then then uh, you have to do some do some juggling. If two of those guys gets injured, then Tommy Doyle's in the game. And I'm not sure. And you're probably have, having to dress Tommy Doyle every single game day for that reason. Um or maybe not. Maybe Ryan Bates fills in, but it's still it's still tricky um, from that perspective. They just don't have the numbers or the quality depth that you know, that the Bills have had the last couple of years. And I think that could really be a detriment to this team at some point this year. Um, you know, they've got so many good things going for them. Obviously, their quarterback, their wide receiver core, um, uh, their pass rush looks to be improved. Their linebackers look to be healthy again. Uh, their their secondary, for the most part, looks to be in pretty good shape. But that, uh, you know, as long as the secondary doesn't suffer injuries. But the offensive line is the one where it's like, okay, can they be just average? Can they get to that level? Because if they can, then this is going to be a really good passing offense again. But if they can't, and, you know, you're, you're having to overcompensate for your starting guards, then then you're going to be in kind of a tricky spot. Yeah, they're fortunate that they have a quarterback who is good under pressure, can mm-hmm. create space on his own. One of the better quarterbacks at, you know, avoiding that initial contact, that initial rush or breaking tackles. I mean, but you don't want to rely on that uh, after you've paid a guy, you know, a $258 million contract. Say, yeah, just go, go ahead back there and, and shake off a few of those 300 pounders and it'll be no problem. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So look, it's, it's the nature of what they're building and the stage at which they're building it, where they have resources spread out elsewhere. You know, they invested a lot in their defensive line over the last few years. Uh, they've thrown some money at wide receiver and, you can't put money everywhere. You know, when you pay to keep Matt Milano, you don't have the money to add to your offensive line. Really what I probably would have liked to have seen them do is draft a guard earlier 
because I do think that's a position where you can see some initial results from a rookie and maybe don't bring back the exact group and use the money you spent to bring John Feliciano back uh, somewhere else. But what's done is done. They have what they have and they're hoping that the continuity and having the same, you know, mix of guys is helpful as the season goes along. And it very well may be, like I said, these are, it's not just Cody Ford who thrives off, you know, intensity. So does John Feliciano. So maybe when, you know, things matter, the stadium's full, you know, we'll see them take it to another level. But yeah, a lot of, probably not a lot of necessarily the regular season numbers or, you know, the, the, productivity and the wins and losses in the regular season will come down to these guys. But I think in big games against tough pass rushes, particularly in the playoffs, these are guys that could decide games. And Mm -hmm. I think they helped decide that AFC championship game in, in the wrong way. Yeah. That's, that's another part to this. Like, you know, there's been so much focus on the pass rush, but there's also, there's also the point of, um, the Bills having to answer what the Chiefs did to them defensively. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, of course, the pass rush is important, and and getting like, uh, and getting those those caliber players in there to be able to impact what Patrick Mahomes and and the elite quarterbacks are doing. But, I mean. Are we just going to sit here and ignore what that the Chiefs basically created a new bl- blueprint for the uh, for the Bills' offense of of how to defend them, and that people are going to copycat until they're blue in the face, until it doesn't work anymore, and the Bills have to prove that they can beat it? So there's, of course, you need the personnel that the Chiefs have to be able to pull it off, but there, I, I think that needs to be um, somewhat of a a heavier talking point, and it leads right into the. The offensive line and the protecting of Josh Allen, because if he can't get out and move, then there's really not a whole ton that that you can do as as an offense for him to be special. You know, it's going to be stepping into the pocket and everything like that. But if he's kind of held at bay inside that pocket, it's the conversation we had about Patrick Mahomes going into the AFC championship game. If you could pin him in, then you're, you've got a lot better of a shot. Um, so that's, that's another Chiefs, part of this. The Chiefs it, really beefed up their offensive line in the off season. They did. So, uh, I'm not know, sure it's, it's going to be better, but it's going to be different. It will be different. They, they at least made an effort, um, yeah. to shuffle things up. And, you know, I was texting back and forth with Tim Graham because he's writing a, a column on things that could, you know, stop the bills on their way to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, everybody has Super Bowl aspirations for this team. It's a very realistic possibility. What could get in their way? What are some potential pitfalls? And one of the things certainly is the Chiefs. And, you know, he was just texting back and forth and sending me, you know, some stuff that he had written and, you know, workshop and stuff, making sure he he had all his bases covered. And one point I made was, you know, the Chiefs, when people write about the Chiefs and getting through the Chiefs, a lot of it is focused on Patrick Mahomes and the offense and what that group can do to any team. But I said, let's not, you know, I, I said, I think you should mention Steve Spagnolo and, and that defense has Josh Allen's number right now. In two games, they played well against Josh Allen. And 
seem to have the answers for them. So whether it's their pass rush, the way their corners play, uh, some of the scheme, you know, that they send, you know, I think the mixture of, of it all is something that Josh Allen has to solve and, and the bills have to solve. And it felt like as much as anything, the offensive line was a problem in that game. Certainly the chiefs were running wild around the Bills' secondary. Um, they, you know, didn't get enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but there was also too much pressure on Josh Allen, particularly mm-hmm. against a, a scheme like that with corners like that, when it may take an extra half clip to figure out what you're seeing or react to what you're seeing or what they're trying to do to you. That's when that pass rush, you know, and that the lack of pass protection can show up. And the other part of it too, that I think is, important here is that the bills and the entire nfl didn't deal with crowd noise at all last year and when Mm -hmm. you're an offense on the road that is tough on an that's you know an offensive line problem as much as anything identifying where pressure is coming from trying to point out you know who who might be an extra blitzer you know picking up on signals or keywords that the defense is yelling out not having you know having full stadiums particularly that one you know in kansas city that's tough uh and that's another element to this offensive line so it's it's an okay group i don't think it's the worst group in the league uh there are far worse collections of five players than what they have because like we mentioned they have two really good tackles and they've got a really good center Mm -hmm. but making sure you know that they can survive an injury or two at bad moments uh, is going to be, it's going to fall on some of those guys on the interior to really step up and, and play better than they have the last month or so that we've seen them at practice. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, it uh, it's a huge talking point out, outside of the cornerback depth, but I think it's probably a bigger talking point just because that it could impact the, the starting lineup immediately. As opposed to cornerbacks, it's like, okay, well, they have at least three players that they believe in, in Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, and, and Taron Johnson. And if one of those guys gets injured, then things might get hairy. But... Right now, the guard spot is a potential problem, and so so yeah, we'll we'll see how that kind of goes. The other uh, the other topic, you know, we jokingly but not jokingly got into before we start we hit, we hit the record button. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders 
cut John Brown. And I think that's um, a pretty interesting thing to happen. Um, you know, it goes to show that the Bills made the right call on John Brown. Um, apparently part of the reason John Brown asked for his release from the Raiders was because uh, he was unaware how high the coaching staff was on, on Zay Jones um, and, and before he had signed with the Raiders. And the Raiders wound up keeping Zay Jones, mind you. Um, so that was part of the reason, and he was buried on the depth chart. And it's, it's part of uh, the Bills being able to self-scout, and this is a, a good thing that they did because they, they saw that Brown might not have been the same guy anymore. Um, the speed's starting to go on him a little bit. But that said, it's a different conversation now that he's not making $9 million or accounting for $9 million against the cap. And if he uh, ends up going through free agency, doesn't find something he likes, I don't know, Matthew. is Am I this far off to think that maybe the Bills and John Brown might find like a, a good working, good enough working relationship to maybe put him on the practice squad until he finds something better uh, and maybe promise not to protect him and all these different things. I think it's at least an intriguing thing. Like the Bills don't have an, an empty roster, uh, practice squad spot right now because they just signed a Kahale Waring, a tight end who was a third round pick in 2019 of the Texans, but they can make room. They can shift some things around. Um, I don't know. It's, it's something intriguing to think about at the very least. It's not the craziest idea. Um, a couple of things that could prevent them from doing so. One, I don't know how John Brown feels because when he got released, he seemed very surprised by it. I don't know if that was, you know, him just drumming up interest in his free agent market, you know, uh, making the release seem like more of out of left field than it actually was. But I don't know if there's any residual hard feelings toward the organization mm -hmm. over how that was handled. I also don't know if John Brown has the juice anymore. I don't know mm -hmm. if that was his game, right? The the deep speed and the burst off the line of scrimmage. I don't know if he has it. And if he doesn't, then you might be taking up a spot that could otherwise go to guys who maybe probably aren't going to become, you know, superstar NFL players, but the Isaiah Hodgins of the world, the Mm -hmm. Kahali Warrings, these intriguing, you know, stash them and, and develop them type of guys. But if he if they think he has a little bit of that left, you know, maybe you keep him and you know, maybe you find a way to get him and say, look, we'll keep you on the practice squad. Maybe we pull you up if Isaiah McKenzie's not ready for week one. You already know the offense. Uh, we'll find a spot for you and, and maybe get you the football. I don't know. I I didn't see enough of him in the preseason to know whether he's totally zapped of his speed. But if he couldn't make that team, I'm start, I'm thinking maybe he is um, over the hill a little bit. But mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting idea, especially when he was a $9 million player not too long ago. And really two years ago was a really productive receiver for them. Yeah. I think... Um it's it's funny if they're gonna sit here and bring in Devonte freeman last year on the practice squad who is altogether washed himself and got cut again this um 
this offseason, then, you know, if they know they can trust the guy, at least. So let's say things just go completely horribly and and they lose Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Gabriel Davis. Like, their top three are gone. Like, are you going to trust that wide receiver room to Kumaro and McKenzie and Isaiah Hodgins at that point? Probably not. Like, I, I, I just think it's it's slightly intriguing. It probably won't happen. But there is enough room on their roster to where that it could happen. So, I don't know. I just, just throw it out there. If if he's a free agent for too long, you're telling me that, that uh, they wouldn't make the make a little bit of room for him i don't know i think i think there's some uh there might be some potential there maybe i'm just thinking too hard about things i also think uh you know to me any residual hard feelings should probably no longer exist after he's been humbled by getting released by a lesser team right unable to make and they're one of the worst teams in the nfl this year yeah, paper, they're not good. They're, no. Yeah, they're. I mean, Zay Jones losing out to Zay Jones. Um, yeah, just I don't know. Not so. Maybe that humbles him to the point where he says, "Look, you know, obviously I'm not." It happens quick in the NFL where guys think they're mm-hmm. one thing and then they're not mm-hmm. really fast. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that he. It means that he can't be a number two, number three, or maybe even number. Well, but you could have him as a number four or number five on occasion, sprinkle him in, uh, and maybe that helps, you know, extend his shelf life a little bit. And maybe he's, it, it takes different guys, different amounts of time to come to grips with being that type of player, like, like LaShawn McCoy, right? You know, having mm-hmm. to bounce around a little bit and be like, well, I guess I'm a backup now. I guess this is what I am. I'm the guy who's inactive, you know, half the time. But, you know, that's better than being out of the league for some players. So maybe because of the familiarity and for the chance to to win and make another run at a Super Bowl, he'd be willing to hang That's around. That's another part. And, and you know, it, I'm sure he cares about the guys in this locker room. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see if they would they would consider it. It would probably take you know a little bit of of compromising on both sides. The Bills would have to, you know get rid of one of their practice squad players and John Brown would have to accept that he's a practice squad player. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be a matter of deciding between John Brown and Tanner Gentry, I think. Yeah. And that, when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, like why not? Right. Like why not bring him back? Or, or John Brown and this other tight end that they just signed Kahali Waring. I mean, there's, there's guys that they definitely want to keep, and they're they're going to protect throughout um, throughout their season. I think Isaiah Hodgins probably makes that list. I think uh, Rashad Wild Goose probably makes that list. Uh, but there's not a like no one is no one really other than that is someone that they're going to be hell bent on keeping no matter what. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just just something to throw out there into the universe. And I know some people are going. Well, John Brown is like 31 years old. How is he practice squad eligible? Well, it's they changed all the practice squad rules last year, so you can have uh, yeah, no you more at than home six are players. practice squad eligible. You all yeah. sitting at home, uh, no matter how old you are, are practice squad eligible. Absolutely. We all are practice squad eligible if you think about it. Practice squad 
makes a pretty good living, by the way, if I will say so myself. Um, if you are a, if you are past the the two year marker, then I think you're in the two hundred thousands, uh, which is pretty good work. Um, it's a good, and it's a good living. It's a good good living, and you know you're not having to subject yourself to huge hits on a weekly basis. And then in the uh, if you're not past two years of accrued um, experience in the NFL, you're still in the one hundred thousands. So that's uh, again really good work. Uh, yeah, I mean, think about it. Mike Love. He's basically been on the practice squad his entire career. He's taken like eighty regular season snaps and he's making he's cashing great paychecks and you know know not putting his body through nearly as much as uh, other guys are i mean i Mm -hmm. think guys would sign up for that over being out of the league i mean heck making Mm two hundred thousand to to practice and and be ready i mean well, not to I, mention with with this whole John Brown thing, like he has already been paid almost three million guaranteed. So why not? You got your money for the year. Go win. Yeah, I mean, and still, who wouldn't want an extra two hundred thousand? Who among yeah. us would turn no, it down? I, not not I. I can't. I can't, not I as well. Can't argue with you there. All right, uh, this is going to do it for us. I think um, Sean McDermott's about to talk in about forty. Five minutes. The Bills have their final practice before Labor Day weekend begins for them. And then when they return, uh, it will be the first practice week of the regular season. The build up to the uh, the home opener against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be pretty darn fun once once we get there and uh, we'll be we'll be breaking it down for you all the way through uh, right here on the Buffalo Beat. And oh, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic now. With the season starting, really good time to do that. So if you go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat, you get 50% off a yearly subscription. Again, that's theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat, and you get 50% off a yearly subscription. We did it right at the beginning of training camp. I did not think it would come back. It did. If you didn't get it the first time, get it this time. Theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. Probably worth it for a the the fantasy football draft kit alone. If you're like me oh and you have procrastinated your research, <laughs> perhaps you've already had two drafts with no research mm-hmm. whatsoever, like me. Are you, you talking about yourself again? <laughs> and you want to make sure that for your up up next drafts, uh, you're a little bit more prepared. That thing mm-hmm. is is loaded, um, and you know there's a lot of fantasy sites you can subscribe to, but. Um, pretty good bang for your buck to to get the fantasy oh, yeah. football draft kit and the whole mess of other stuff that um is on the athletic so this is a good time of year to have the 50 percent off code yeah and by the way the the fantasy vertical uh just got casey joiner this past off season huge kid he's he's been so good for so long so yeah um i would i would highly recommend that as a fellow fantasy football enthusiast here myself um all right, Matthew Fairburn, any uh, fond words of farewell for the day before we get to the first week of the regular season? Those were them. Go get your fantasy oh, those football okay. draft kit. Enjoy your <laughs> fantasy drafts. I assume people have a lot of them coming up here in the next few, you know week or so. I know um, I have a few, a few to sneak in before the season starts, but mm-hmm. uh, enjoy the holiday weekend and you know, hopefully people aren't you know, they can take a step back and breathe now that the 53 is, is mostly set. 
Yes, they can breathe now that they know that uh, Antonio Williams is safely back on the practice squad, which he is. Good for them. Good for him, too. All right. That's going to do it for us. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thank, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and for Matthew Fairber, we uh, will get back to it for the regular season grind, two episodes a week. Can't wait, everybody. It's going to be a blast this season for the upcoming season, which could be somewhat of a good one for the Bills. We'll see what happens. All right. So for Matthew, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you next time. See you.